The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Hello, Giants fans, and welcome to a new edition of the Valentine's Views podcast here on Big Blue View Radio, part of your SB Nation family of podcasts. I'm your host, Ed Valentine of Big Blue View. Today's show is coming to you on Friday, a couple of days before the Giants face the rival Dallas Cowboys in a big NFC East game and here to help me break that game down and and tell me all of the reasons why the Giants are going to lose on Sunday is is our our good friend RJ Ochoa of blogging the boys how you doing RJ Ed it's great to be with you you look and sound marvelous uh, really looking forward to this game on Sunday. Uh, it's been a while since uh, the Cowboys and Giants have played in a game that, that held significance for Cowboys fans uh, just due to the way that the season went last year. So it uh, feels nice. feels right. feels like October. Uh, you know, I have been doing the the weekly five questions segment at Big Blue View with, with your, your compatriot over at Blogging the Boys, Dave Halperin. He and I have been doing those together since 2007, probably longer than anybody on this SB Nation network has been doing those things. And, and the first question that I asked him this week was, Dallas is three and one. Giants are one and three. The Eagles are one and three. Washington is two and two, and and I'm convinced, to be honest with you, that Washington is not all that good, that the Giants are actually better than Washington, uh, you know, but that's that's not really the subject of our discussion. But but what I ask Dave is. Are Dallas fans already sort of counting on an NFC title at this point. So I'll throw that out there for you at this point. Are, are Dallas fans already kind of tasting that that NFC East championship? Well, first of all, uh, really awesome that you and Dave go wait that far back as far as the, the five questions series is concerned. Uh, that 2007 season, obviously a, a good one for the Giants, a good regular season for the Cowboys. That was the first season that I ever lurked um, at blogging the boys actually just kind of uh, popped in with comments now and then. Um, and so it's really cool to, to be here now, but 
you know, I'm somebody who has uh, not really believed in, in Washington all offseason long, and I thought that their defense would regress to the mean. I didn't think it would be this bad, obviously, early on. I think that they are still stabilizing, but um, to, to the point of, you know, uh, this discussion, there are a lot of Cowboys fans who I think do think that by around Thanksgiving, um, it, it might be a wrap. And a lot of that has to do with quality of opponents. You know, the Cowboys, for example, have already played Tampa and the Chargers and, and every other NFC's team still has to go through those two games. And, you know, you figure just kind of on the outset that, that each NFC's team that isn't the Cowboys is going to struggle in those two games, probably going to lose both of them. Um, you know, prior to the, the Giants game against the Saints last week, I had tweeted uh, about the Giants remain or upcoming 10 games. I think it was um, through, I think through the Buccaneers game, which I think the Giants have after their bye. And everybody, all the responses were, man, this team's probably going 0 and 10, you know, because it, it does look like such a difficult schedule. And then lo and behold, the Giants come out and, and beat New Orleans last week and and kind of just, you know, show everybody what, what we all know or what we, what we think we know rather. And so on the flip side of that, you know, Dallas has a pretty easy schedule, you know, and, and easy in the context of. Not anything is ever easy in the NFL. Obviously, as you know, things are unpredictable, uh, but it's hard. It's hard to, you know, objectively look at what the Cowboys have coming up over the next two months or so and not feel good about it. You know, I, I feel good about their chances against the Giants. I know a lot of Cowboys fans do. Uh, next week, they're on the road against New England. That's the their 17th game. Uh, I believe the Giants is the Dolphins. And so, I mean, the, New England isn't exactly a formidable foe, you know, speaking of that 2007 season. And then they're on their bye. They get Minnesota after that. They get Denver, Atlanta. I mean, none of those are, are really teams or specifically quarterbacks that I think you're nervous about if, if you're the Cowboys. And then they play Kansas City, and that's obviously rough. Uh, but I think a lot of Cowboys fans like their odds, at least with the way the offense is playing. They get Vegas on Thanksgiving, and, you know, that's kind of a push, you know, the way they're playing. And so I, I think around them, there's a lot of Cowboys fans who think they might be around eight and three, you know, seven and four or something like that. And and that might that might be a big enough gap. And, and as you know, all NFC East games, it feels like this season are, are jam packed near the end of the season for all four teams. And I was talking to BLG about this, Brandon Lee Gotten from Bleeding Green Nation on, on the show he and I do together every week. And it we might reach a point where those are moot, you know, where the Cowboys might, you know, there is a scenario, I think, that's realistic, however likely you want to say it is or whatever. But there is a scenario where we get to the, all those games and the Cowboys maybe don't have it sewn up, but, but you know, early into that stretch, you know, get themselves some caps and T-shirts. Yeah, I hear you. And, and I don't actually blame Cowboys fans for for their confidence at this point. The, the Giants are in a stretch that you mentioned start this week. They face Dallas. Then it's the Rams. Then it's the Panthers. Then it's the Chiefs. Then the Raiders and then the Buccaneers after the bye. I mean, the schedule at, you know, at the end includes you know, includes a game against Washington and a second game against Dallas and a game against Philly and and one against Miami and one against the Bears. And, and those games look much more winnable. You know, mm -hmm. at least that stretch, that final stretch of six games, the problem for the Giants is getting to that point and making those games meaningful, which is why the way that the Giants have started losing their first three games and basically giving away two of them is just so devastating because they're not, when I look at it, 
you know, the, the perspective that, that I have here, they're not a horrible football team. They should be better than one in three, but they, you know, but they are one in three. And now they're up against a really, really, you know, brutal schedule. And, and I look at this game and, you know, you may not look at it the same way, but it's week five. I look at this game as kind of make or break for the Giants because it's week five. It's a chance to, you know, Dallas, if they win, is going to be four and one. The Giants are going to be one and four. Washington, I think Washington has Atlanta this week. Washington should win that game, but who knows? And, and I'm just like you. I'm not a believer in uh, in Washington with Taylor Heineke and and a defense that hasn't been as good as advertised. I look at this game as going a long way toward telling us whether there's going to really and truly be a competitive NFC East. I don't know if you. I don't know if you feel the same way. Yeah, I mean, I, I certainly you know. When I personally <coughs> tried to pick the the you know the season so to speak at, at the beginning of it, I thought the Giants would beat the Broncos. I thought the Giants, you know, I I thought Atlanta would be good, you know, and that that's a huge miss by me, or at least be somewhat good. Um, and so I, I thought New York would lose that game, but but especially looking at it now, I think that's that's the one that's really costly if you're a Giants fan is how could you drop that game to Atlanta. Uh, especially given that Philly and Washington have beaten them already. Um, so it just, it, it's to your point, they've already kind of put themselves behind a, a proverbial eight ball. And so if, if you're the Giants and you lose, like you said, you're one and four and, and the leader in your division is four and one, that's a lot of ground to make up. And you're, you're trying to do it over a stretch, as you mentioned, it's extremely difficult, inordinately difficult. And at that point, if you're a Giants fan, you know, the Cowboys already have a game in hand against you. Um, and, you know, it, you mentioned it's not going to get easier, but, you know, next week's opponent for the Giants is already resting, right? The Los Angeles Rams have already played their week five game. Um, I think that they kind of, you know, lucked out with their win on Thursday night, but uh, that's still a, a team that whose whose odds I like against the Giants, but this is you know I, I do think this is a an important game. I think it's it's carrying a, a bit of a symbolic weight for the Cowboys. Um, I, I don't know how well aware Giants fans are. This has been a a, a storyline that's been discussed a lot, um, really all off season, getting to this point, this exact week, and this will be discussed on the broadcast. I'm sure this game's taking place at, as you know, on October 10th uh, at AT and T Stadium in the afternoon window. Cowboys and Giants. It was on October 11th last year in the afternoon window in the same building between these same two teams that Dak Prescott was injured, lost for the season. And so, you know, this is basically returning to the exact scene of the crime for the Cowboys and Dak Prescott. And, you know, their season was in a very different place in, in week five last year. They were one and three entering that game and they beat the Giants to get to two and three. Um, but, you know, th they were kind of on life support even before Dak Prescott got hurt. And so it's different. You know, it's, it's almost like they've been given a chance to restart um, and, and to get here. And so uh, as, as much weight as it carries for the Giants, this is a really, I think every Cowboys fan wants to get through this. They, they want, every, as you can imagine, at every turn, every every new broadcaster, because, you know, the Cowboys at this point have, have played on CBS with Romo and Nance. They've played on Monday Night Football. They've played on Sunday Night Football. Every single, you know, broadcast team has told the Dak Prescott story. And this is the last time that we kind of have to go through it. This is Buck and Aikman and Aaron Andrews, you know, on the call, the classic, you know, NFC tilt. And so 
every Cowboys fan's ready to fully put this behind them because every Cowboys fan's been done with the Dak storyline for six months now. Uh, but this is kind of the, the final checkpoint before, uh, you know, the whole world is ready to put it behind them as well. Yeah, that's a good point, RJ. There is some sort of weird symbolism to this game. And, and you know, I have to believe that the the NFL schedule makers in their infinite wisdom sat down and figured this one out and and made this one happen, you know, within the 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 one year window. It, it it's it's amazing to me some of the things that 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 quote unquote coincidentally happen in the NFL schedule. So I wouldn't be surprised if this was intentional on the part of the NFL, but but I think you're right. I think you know Logan Ryan was asked about the whole injury thing the other day, and 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 he said you know he's had a lot of communication with Prescott since then. Um, actually sent Prescott some books while Prescott mm-hmm. was in the hospital and, and, you know, and, you know, said, look, there was, you know, said the other day, he said, I've made that exact tackle 500 times. And he said, this one just happened to turn out badly. He said, there was no malice. There was no intent. There was, there was nothing there. You know, it just, it just turned out badly. And, and, you know, like, as you said, it's it's time to move on from it, and hopefully after Sunday we can do that. Uh, let me ask you about this Dallas team. Obviously, offensively, they're scoring a ton of points, and obviously Prescott is playing well. It looks to me like like Zeke Elliott is running better than he has in a while. Um, from just from from your perspective, what's been the thing that's really, you know, making this Dallas offense go at this point? You know, um, I think it's, it's it's a handful of things. I think that everybody, as you know, made a big deal about how uh, the Buccaneers returned all 22 starters. Right. You know, that was the whole storyline all offseason. And that's an important thing. The Cowboys returned all 11 of their intended offensive starters from last year. Um, Now, Lyle Collins didn't start last year. He didn't play at all, but he was obviously, you know, their intended right tackle. And, you know, beyond that, CeeDee Lamb was a rookie, but, you know, was their intended starter, obviously. And so this year, the Cowboys brought everybody back. Their entire offense came back. Now, to be fair, Lyle Collins played one game and then got suspended for five. Uh, so they've had to, you know, sort of make lemonade at the right tackle position. But there's a lot of continuity there. The, the entire offense, my point, is basically back. Um, Kellen Moore, the offensive coordinator, is back. Mike McCarthy, the head coach, is back. I mean, so you've got continuity all throughout the offense. Everybody understands what's happening. Everybody understands the, the point, the goal, the disposition, whatever you want to call it. And so they're even more comfortable in this system. They're even more comfortable in this offense. And so they've always been highly efficient. But but I think what has has kind of maybe awoken other people that aren't aren't following the Cowboys as closely as they're they're playing it has nothing to do with the offense is my estimation they're playing full complimentary you know team football last year Ed coming into this game against the Giants the Cowboys had started two possessions in in the four games prior on the positive side of the 50 yard line so with less than 50 yards to go I mean they they had no basically no turnovers generated I mean every, every drive you remember you know at this time last year Dak was throwing for 400 yards a game 450 yards I mean it was just 
absurd. And it was because every drive was starting at the Dallas 20, the Dallas 25, Dallas 23. And they just had to go the length of the field each and every time because the Cowboys defense was doing a horrible job at flipping the field. And that's not the case this year. They're the first four games of this season. The Cowboys have 10 takeaways on defense. Uh, Trayvon Diggs has five of those by himself. I mean, you know, they're giving this offense shorter fields to work with. And so everything is easier, right? I mean, Four times this season, Ed, the Cowboys have had 37 or less yards to go when beginning an offensive possession. And so that's something that has been extremely rare for this team. And it's exciting, uh, certainly. But I think that that's that's kind of been what's clicked is is everything has worked. um, Shorter fields, easier opportunities. I mean, Dak Prescott had like 230 yards last week and and threw four touchdowns. You know, I mean, he's not being asked to, to carry this length of the field each and every time, which is, you know, helping everything be a little bit more efficient. You mentioned Zeke Elliott. I mean, I don't, I don't know how to explain his resurgence. I, I think that, you know, a lot of people who who have uh, highly supported Zeke, you know, in 2018, that 2018 was kind of the last time we saw him be really successful. 2019, he very, very famously held out of training camp. And so didn't have a full body of work entering the season last year. Obviously, nobody had a full body of work, but Zeke himself did test positive for COVID. And obviously, we all know the impact that that can have on the body. And so this was kind of the first year since 2018 that Zeke had a full, normal, healthy offseason. And so we're seeing the effects of that. We're seeing Tony Pollard obviously have a lot of success. I mean, I, I attribute a lot of it also to Kellen Moore. He's somebody who just understands. He's His whole disposition has been to aggressively, he says this all the time, to aggressively attack what defenses give them. And I, I'd hate to speak ill of the New York Giants offensive coordinator, but Jason Garrett's philosophy constantly as the head coach of the Dallas Cowboys was to impose their will. I don't know how often you've heard that verbiage, uh, but that that was Jason Garrett's mentality. We're going to beat them. We're, we're going to do what we want to do, and we're going to run them over trying to do it. And Kellen Moore isn't like that. Kellen Moore is, is all about low-hanging fruit. What's there? We'll take it, and we'll move, and who cares as long as we score. And so uh, that's been, been a nice uh, component, I think, that's made this Cowboys offense be a little bit more efficient than in years past. All right, RJ, I want to take a short break for a word from our sponsors at SB Nation. Come back and uh, we'll talk about some of those uh, some of those defensive players and a little bit about uh, expectations for Sunday. Support for this show comes from Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence and Loom help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. That's why millions of teams around the world, including 75% of the Fortune 500, trust Atlassian Software for everything from space exploration and green energy to delivering pizzas and podcasts. Whether you're a team of two, 200, or 2 million, or whether your team is around the corner or on another continent altogether, Atlassian Software is built to help keep you all on the same page from start to finish. That way, every one of your teams, from engineering and IT to marketing, HR and legal, can stay connected and move together as one towards shared company-wide goals. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. 
All right, Giants fans, Ed Valentine back here, and we're talking to RJ Ochoa of SB Nation's Blogging the Boys about Sunday's Giants versus Dallas game. RJ, before the break, you uh, you had gotten into the Dallas defense a little bit, and 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 let me let me just ask you this: what what on God's green earth has gotten into Trevon Diggs? He um he's he's special. I mean. It's it's so much fun to constantly remember that the Cowboys drafted him after they drafted C.D. Lamb, um, you know, and there were a lot of people who wanted Xavier McKinney, uh, obviously, in that draft that that class was really talented from from a defensive back standpoint, especially those Alabama players. But, um, you know, the, the first interception he had this season, uh, people might remember it was the opening game. Obviously, he's had at least one in every game so far. Uh, but Leonard Fournette had a had a ball tipped off his hands that he just kind of caught, you know, and, and, you know, on our postgame show that night uh, in, the, in the days after, you know, I took a lot of heat from Cowboys fans because I said, look, you can't count on that kind of interception every week. Right. Like, you know, offensive players aren't going to always tip the ball. Um, it was I, I, I said it was a little fluky. I said it was a little, you know, I wouldn't say you know, hollow, but it just, it wasn't an authentic interception. And then he had an amazing one against Justin Herbert the next week. Um, and then, you know, obviously had the pick six against Jalen Hurts on Monday Night Football. And then last week, you know, the first one that he had against Sam Donald was just like a terrible throw. I, I don't know what Sam Donald was thinking. I think he got desperate. But the, the final one that he's had, at least the fifth one to this point, <laughs> He's just he's so talented. He he played wide receiver at Alabama before switching to corner in case anybody doesn't know. So his hands are really reliable. His brother obviously has one, some of the best hands in the NFL. Um, and so he's just playing with instincts and he's he's playing in a way that is allowing, you know, his skills to flourish. And so five interceptions through the first four games of the season. Uh, it's, it's tied for the most interceptions that any player in NFL history has ever had to the first four games. So um, this is really nice. It's, it's been a long time since the Cowboys have had a ball hawking defensive back like this. And this, the second defensive player I have to ask you about is, is Micah Parsons. Now Parsons, of course, went 12th to Dallas. The Giants had an opportunity to draft him. You know, Parsons admitted this week that he had talked to the Giants a lot that he honestly didn't really expect to get past the Giants at 11 if, uh, you know, if they had an opportunity to draft him. Giants obviously made the choice to to trade down to select Kadarius Toney, which through the first three games drew a lot of questions. And then last week when Kadarius Toney caught six passes for 78 yards, and was basically breaking ankles all over the Superdome, you know, leaving defenders in his wake. You know, Giants fans went, oh, that's what Kadarius Tony can do, you know, when, when he's healthy and, and, and ready to go. But, you know, the, the thing for the Giants, I supported that trade because trade down, they get Kadarius Tony. They still get a, they still get a, a talented player. They added another pick in the draft in the in the 2021 draft that they used uh, to move up and and pick a, a cornerback, Aaron Robinson. They're left now with two first round picks in 2022, you know, and an extra third round pick. So I think they've got six or seven picks in the first. They've got about six picks in the first hundred in you know in the upcoming draft. So. Long range, I thought that was a very good move for the Giants. And yet, 
one of the players that they left on the board and one that would look really, really good on a Giants defense that has really struggled to, to rush the passer is Micah Parsons. So just tell us a little bit about, you know, how Dallas fans feel about Parsons and, and what you guys have seen from him so far. Well, I would be remiss if I didn't say that Dallas really affected the way, you know, as you recall, originally it was Dallas at 10, New York at 11 and Philly at 12 after Philly had traded it down from six with Miami. Um, and so if not for the Dallas trade with Philly from 10 to 12, um, I do wonder if it would have been Devontae Smith breaking ankles in the Superdome. Uh, I know that was somebody that, that obviously was on the Giants radar as well entering the draft. And at the time, it felt like the Cowboys preferred Devontae to go to the Eagles as opposed to the Giants. And so um, that that's just a fun thing, you know, that I've been tracking and will continue to track. But so, yeah, so the Cowboys actually they passed on Parsons, right? They passed on Parsons at 10 technically. Uh, for Devontae to go to the Eagles. And then obviously Chicago trades up. Uh, Dave Gettleman moves back and shocks the world. And so, but but to be clear here, I don't, there's not a Cowboys fan that wanted <laughs> Micah Parsons. I think and any Cowboys fan that tells you they did is lying. Lying through their teeth. Every Cowboys fan wanted J.C. Horn or Patrick Sertan. And every Cowboys fan thought that that would happen. You know, we had a live show uh, on our YouTube channel during the draft. And the moment that Sertan went nine to the Denver Broncos and wiped them out, you know, I remember saying, okay, what, what do y'all want to do? And everybody trade back, trade back. This, this was literally DEFCON one, smash the glass, pull the handle, <laughs> didn't prepare for this. Um, and so the Cowboys did pick up a third round pick from Philly just to move back two spots and ultimately, you know, settled, so to speak for Micah Parsons and, you know, drafting a linebacker in with what was effectively a top 10 pick. It was top 12, obviously uh, not the best utilization of resources as far as NFL roster building is concerned. But, you know, the, the thought was, you know, if they use him everywhere, this is going to be okay. And he really impressed obviously in the off season and, and really started to shine and people kind of started to make their peace with it. And he's been, I mean, I don't, he's been phenomenal. I mean, I, I really don't know a way to, to possibly oversell how awesome he has been. And we really haven't seen him play linebacker all too much. You know, he played obviously week one, uh, but after week one, after that Thursday night game, uh, Randy Gregory uh, had to go onto the COVID list uh, into the COVID protocol. So the Cowboys lost one of their starting defensive ends. And then Demarcus Lawrence, the best player on their defense broke his foot. And so when the Cowboys went to LA to play the chargers in week two, they had neither of their starting two defensive ends. And so in his second NFL game ever, the Cowboys had Micah Parsons line up on the edge, rush Justin Herbert. And so he's kind of been doing a mix of both, playing pass rusher, playing linebacker, just being this defensive superstar. And he's winning. He's having success. Yes. You know, multiple sacks already. I mean, you know, he's it's it's un, it's it's what nobody could have expected. I mean, he was an, an, an elite just defensive player at Penn State, as everybody knows. And so to see all of those skills translate this early on really has just uh, exceeded anybody's wildest expectations. And so it's exciting. The Cowboys are starting to, to stabilize on the health, you know, scale. And so uh, hopefully he's he's able to play more linebacker. Obviously, the Cowboys released Jalen Smith this week. And so uh, they believe in Micah Parsons and they have every reason to. He's been he's been probably the I don't, it's it's difficult to, to rank him where he's been defensively because Trayvon Diggs has been so good. Randy Gregory has been so good, but but he is certainly in the mix for best players on the team right now. It's an interesting thing when it comes to Parsons. I will say this. Parsons was 
looked at technically as an off-ball linebacker. And analytically, you can say whatever you want about drafting a player, you know, that, that plays that position, you know, early in the draft. I looked at it as, in my view, Micah Parsons was the best defensive player in this draft, period. Sure. And if you can get that player at 12, I don't care what position he plays. That's a difference-making kind of a playmaker. There was a concern about Micah Parsons maybe being a little bit too much of a showman, maybe being a little bit too much of a, uh, I, I guess the he, right he word is diva. Issues. He and, had character issues at Penn State. That's, that's totally fair. And I, I'll be honest with you. I think that's what would have made me nervous had the Giants drafted him. And, and I guess the question is, has there been – any hint of anything like that, you know, with Parsons since he's been in Dallas. I don't just want to come here and, and sound like I'm drinking, you know, ch- doing keg stands on the cowboy Kool-Aid, but I mean, he has been a dream. I mean, he, he's been a dream of a first round pick. He's said and done all the right things. He's, he's been humble. He's been a hard worker. Um, you know, the, the biggest storyline he's had follow him um, you know, on hard knocks or otherwise, you know, in terms of things that aren't happening on the field has been his love of chess. Uh, that's that's been a big thing. He um, very early Amari Cooper is a really cerebral person, as I think a lot of people know, uh, plays a lot of chess. And so uh, Micah Parsons, you know, was very public about challenging Amari to chess. And that's that's been it. That's those have been the biggest waves he's made, um, which, again, has, has been awesome to see. He's um He's he's been wonderful and, and all the results on the field are great. And so uh, every Cowboys fan is pleased. And, and, and you mentioned it. I mean, analytically and, you know, again, in terms of in terms of the way, you know, a lot of people view roster building, a lot of people upset isn't the right word, but people were disappointed. Everybody, you know, you, you get that high in the draft and you want one of those elite positions. You want that left tackle. You want that top corner. You know, you, you want something that financially you're kind of you know getting a great rate on uh, and so that's why everybody wanted that top elite corner uh but to to settle for Micah Parsons and then to have Trayvon Diggs play the way he's playing it kind of feels like the Cowboys got the best of both worlds well like I said I don't think it's ever settling when you when you select the best defensive player in the draft I don't care right. what position he plays but uh but let, let's move on from Parsons let's move on from from talking about the defense RJ kind of uh Last thing here, you know, to to wrap everything up, um, just how do you see Sunday's game unfolding? The Giants, as we sit and do this, are six and a half point underdogs. I think that line has moved down from seven and a half or eight early in the week. And that is what it is. If the Giants were to win this game, it's an upset. I don't think... uh, you know, most of the world does not expect the Giants to come in and, and and do this again. Most of the world was was flabbergasted at the idea last week that Daniel Jones could could throw for more than 400 yards. I mean, I've I've chuckled all week at the at the amount of of groveling and backtracking that has taken place in the in the world of of you know Daniel Jones is terrible and Dave Gettleman's an idiot for picking him at number 6 because it's like oh wait Daniel Jones might might actually be good now 
And how, how do we process that? How do we deal with that? And, and it's made me chuckle all week. And, and I don't know if the Giants can go into Dallas and repeat that offensive performance. I'd like to think that it's possible because they're, you know, because Kadarius Tony is getting healthy. Kenny Galladay's had, you know, a month to practice now. Their offensive line seems to be stabilizing, although Andrew Thomas was hobbling around all week on a foot injury, and, and I don't know how well he's going to be able to move on Sunday if he even tries to play. But, uh, but you know, when I look at this game, I'll be honest with you, I tried not to do it as a homer, but I picked the Giants to win in an upset, and here's why. I think... I don't think the Giants are as bad as 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 their 0-3 start indicated. And I think that really, to be honest with you, I picked the Giants to win because of, of how important this game is for them and simply because I want to have decent football to talk about for the next few weeks. I'd, I'd like to have a race in the NFC East and, and, and maybe I picked it just because I want it to happen because I don't want the NFC East race to be mostly over with from a giant's perspective already. And, and, and those are wishful reasons for picking the game <laughs> to be, to be honest with you, they're wishful reasons, but let me ask you, and I know you're going to pick the Cowboys to win, but let me ask you how you see this game unfolding. If the Giants are going to win it, what's that going to look like? And if the Cowboys are going to win it, what do you think that looks like? Well, I think if the Cowboys win it, I think it's more of the same, right? More more of the same, just kind of pouring it on on offense, generating the Cowboys. You know, uh, we, we did a study after the first two games of the season when the Cowboys had six turnovers, we looked at every team in NFL history that had, or since the merger, to be clear, uh, that had six turnovers to the first two weeks of the season. And they they all went on to average composite, you know, uh, two turnovers per game on defense. Since then, the Cowboys have had two turnovers per game. It's only been two games, but still. Um, so I think it's it's that, right? It's, it's staying elite on offense, staying efficient, generating turnovers, giving yourself short fields, capitalizing on mistakes. Those are all things that they've managed to do during this three game winning streak. Um, so, you know, I hate to be boring and, and be chalk, but it's more the same. I think if the Giants win, you know, it, it kind of goes back to what, what I, I'm excited to see. I do think this is the first Cowboys Jason Garrett game uh, that, that at least I recognize. And I know that that means nothing. I know that there have already been two. Uh, but, you know, last year, the, the first one where Dak Prescott was hurt, you know, the, the air was let out of that, obviously, when, when Dak went down. And the second one, you know, it's Andy Dalton and, and the Giants won. I don't want to take anything away from that. But, you know, I want to see the full, you know, Cowboys team in all their glory against Jason Garrett. That's that's what I'm anxious to see. And so um, for the Giants to win, I think that Jason Garrett's going to have to be different. He's going to have to be different than, than the person I've known him to be for the last decade. Um, which which seems unlikely. Yeah, I mentioned, you know, imposing their will. I, My estimation, you know, not, and certainly I, I don't know anywhere near as much about the Giants as you do, is that Jason Garrett views this team, this this Dallas Cowboys team, and, and looks at them and says, you know what the best way to beat them is? Which we just got to put together long, methodical, 14-play, you know, 
drives that that score and take up eight, nine minutes off the game clock, because that's what he tried to do for a decade in Dallas. And, you know, some teams are, are able to pull that off, but it's not a sustainable thing, you know, year in and year out, game in and game out. And so I think the Giants have to be different. I think put it in Daniel Jones's hands. I think, you know, I, I know Mark Schofield does a great job breaking him down for you guys and, and does a great job on our DAC watch series. And there's a lot to like with Daniel Jones and let him loose. You know what I mean? And so I think that that's what Jason Gates going to have to do because this Cowboys defense has generated turnovers, but it can be had. There have been big plays against them so far this season. And so let Daniel Jones loose if, if you're Jason Garrett. Um, and I know that that sounds obvious. I know that there's a lot of Giants fans who are hopeful that that will happen, but I just don't have any reason to believe that that he is going to do that. Just, and you know, call me scarred, call me biased, you know, but <laughs> I've, I've lived that life uh, for a long time. And so um, I just, I'm doubtful that, that Jason Garrett's going to be willing to do that. But uh, you mentioned the line and it did open at seven and a half and, and now down to six and a half. So congratulations to those who are patient. And the Dallas Cowboys are the only team that is undefeated against the spread this season. Uh, so I, I think the Cowboys win. That's a lot of points, you know, no matter who you're playing on the NFL, maybe it's a backdoor cover. You know, I, I do think it's probably closer. You know, last week the Cowboys actually trailed at halftime, 14 to 13, and then they just exploded in the third quarter. And I think that might be what happens. I think maybe this is a close game. I think because the Cowboys offense can hit a home run, you know, almost at will, I think it might just get away from the Giants. I don't I don't think this is like a, a just beat down from from beginning to end. I think if if it is a game that, you know, we look at the box score and the Cowboys win convincingly, I think there's a sequence of, of a couple of drives where it just goes Dallas's way. And and maybe New York gets in a moment where it's just too much quicksand and they can't get out of it because I don't know that. And I say this respectfully. I don't know that New York has the horses to run with the Cowboys offense. And so um, if Dallas can do that, I think they make it difficult for New York. Well, I look at it. I, I will say this. What I've said this week at Big Blue View is the Giants have struggled to rush the passer. And until last week, they had a hard time getting off the field on on third down and on fourth down when uh, you know when teams went for it against them. If they can't find a way to impact Prescott this week, then then Dallas is going to put up a lot of points and, and the Giants aren't going to if Dallas gets to 40, the Giants aren't getting to 40. I know that much. So I'm I'm hopeful, hopeful that Patrick Graham has uh, some tricks up his sleeve and some ways to uh, to impact Prescott, make him get rid of the football a little bit earlier than he wants to. So we'll see what happens. RJ, as always, thank you much for, uh, for hopping on. Um, why don't you, you know, just give folks the, the lowdown on uh, the SB nation NFL show and on other places where, uh, where they can, where they can hear you. Sure. Um, obviously blogging the boys is, is kind of the hub for our universe. Uh, you mentioned Dave, you know, everybody at BTB does such a great job. Blogoftheboys.com. You search Blog of the Boys anywhere, anywhere you get Big Blue View content, your podcast provider, on social media, uh, just the Internet as a whole. Just put in Blog of the Boys, see what happens. And uh, it's likely that we authored whatever you're seeing. Uh, the SB Nation NFL show, uh, our national show, obviously here at SB Nation, uh, where we cover the league as a whole. Obviously, that includes the Giants. We love talking about the NFC East, just like the rest of the world. Uh, so that's accessible wherever you get your podcast. You can hear me on Mondays and Thursdays over there. And so uh, it's been a fun start to the NFL season. And, you know, however this goes, this this really, you know, we, we have the best job in the world. I can't believe that, you know, 
uh, football season's here. Um, I, I hope everybody listening has a great time. I, I wish you all health, wealth, and happiness, but, but nothing but sports misery on Sundays. <laughs> all right, RJ, thank you much for, for hopping on. Giants fans, thank you, as always, for listening. Please remember to subscribe to Big Blue View Radio on all of your favorite podcast applications. Giants fans, please uh, take care of each other, stay safe, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye.